This morning, uh, we're, we're coming off of Christmas. I hope that all of you had a great Christmas, uh, no matter what it looked like this year. And hopefully Santa brought you everything that you asked for this year. Hopefully you were on the nice list. Uh, I gifted myself a gash in the head. Uh, I was letting the dog out the other day, and uh, I hit my head on the corner of the door. I don't know. But I really thought I gifted myself an emergency room trip on Christmas Eve, which would have been awesome, especially because it would have been alone these days. But, uh, but so I guess I got everything that I wanted. Uh, I hope you got to eat some good food, and, and maybe you're still working your way through some of those Christmas goodies. Uh, my wife uh, shared with me a new take on uh, the Christmas classic, Twas the Night Before Christmas, the other day. Uh, and it was, uh, to what to my wondering eyes would appear, but 10 extra pounds on my thighs, hips, and rear. And, uh, and for the stress eaters among us, uh, that may never have been more true than this year, right? Uh, for some of you, uh, Christmas was different this year. And it's something that you hope you never have to do again. Hopefully you get back to normal next year and we get rid of this mess, right? You know, one, one unfortunate I saw from last week is that, unfortunately, Jupiter and Saturn have been ordered to quarantine after they were seen not social distancing. I mean, they just had it out there for everybody. Everybody could see it. There were pictures all over the internet of it. And now they have to stay away from each other for 60 years. And uh, that's their punishment. And so... Uh, that's an astronomy joke, if you don't... Okay, so this year sure has been something, though, right? Uh, it's worn a lot of us down, for sure. And when things shut down in the spring, it, well, it was different, right? And we just were getting used to it. We called everything the new normal, and we were, we were dealing with it. But as time has gone on, the fatigue has... Uh, the fatigue of not being able to, to do things that we wish we could do has grown. And, and now we had to spend Thanksgiving and Christmas doing things different, not being able to do the things or see the people that we want to see. And then you throw in an election year and the increasing angst that social media adds to the mix, and you've got a perfect recipe for just kind of being over it, right? You know, many have referred to 2020 as the worst year ever, and I think it took the crown from, well, 2019, according to many of us about a year ago, right? When is this year going to be over? I'm so ready for 2020. Well, now look what we got, right? You know, I think 2020 is going to hold on to the crown of worst year ever for a while. Uh, I think it's going to be the king for a while, hopefully at least. But the point kind of is that every year around this time, we always refer to that year as the worst year ever. You know, our, our favorite celebrity dies, or our favorite TV show gets canceled, or maybe more seriously, we, we lose a job, or we lose a loved one, or we get a diagnosis that we weren't expecting, or any, other, any of the myriad of other negative things that happen, and we start saying, man, I can't wait till next year. It's going to be different. We start saying how much we're looking forward to next year, as if a calendar flip is going to hit the reset button. And like magic, all of our problems will be gone. But we know that that's not true. And especially right now, unfortunately, the beginning of 2021 is looking like more of the same for a while. And so there's been a lot of darkness and a lot of things that maybe had nothing to do with COVID-19. Maybe you would have had a bad year without a pandemic. And that just, this just added to it. 
But as tough as 2020 has been, and no matter what you might be going through right now, I truly hope you haven't lost one of the greatest gifts that Jesus gave us, and that's hope. In the midst of the storms that we're battling, the hope of Christ still shines as that beacon in the night. That lighthouse that we're all steering our ship through the storm, that Jesus is the lighthouse that we focus on. And it's because of the hope that he provides that Paul said in 1 Thessalonians to not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. We know that God works in the dark. We know that God is working when we can't see it. In fact, God sometimes does his best work after the sun has gone down. I mean, you might say that 2020 has been the worst year ever, but man, the Cleveland Browns are 10 and 4 with a shot at the division. I mean, the Bengals beat the Steelers on Monday to open the door. And, and truly, I mean, I've been, been being told for years that it would take a miracle for the Browns to be good again. And so if this ain't God working, I don't know what is, right? It, you might call it a bad year, but this is a, I mean, it's a great year for a Browns fan. But seriously, I think we all know that, you know, I, you can, I know that God is still working. But sometimes it can be really hard to remember that. Or sometimes it can be really hard to believe that when we're constantly surrounded by the overwhelming despair and darkness that this world constantly serves up. And so this morning, we're going to look at some people from the Bible that they too were constantly surrounded by darkness and despair, yet they never took their eyes off the Father. They dealt with some incredibly awful circumstances, but their faith remained strong. They knew that despite the trials they were facing, God was still on the throne and he was still worthy of their praise. And so let's check out some of their stories this morning. First, we want to look back and remember Joseph. You know, Joseph's life was full of some crazy stuff. Like, people have done whole sermon series on the life of Joseph. And it was a bit of a roller coaster. I mean, there were a lot of ups and downs in Joseph's life. Now, if you don't know or you don't remember, Joseph was one of 12 sons of Jacob. And early in his life, he has two dreams, but they have the same theme. And they both involve his brothers and one, and, and, and the second one, it's all of his family. They're all bowing down to Joseph. Now, as those of you with, with annoying younger siblings can probably relate with, his brothers didn't like that too much. I mean, if you had a younger sibling that came to you and said, boy, I had this dream and it was great, you're going to love this. Uh, you all were bowing down to me. I was in charge, right? And they'd go, get out of here, right? And as if that wasn't enough, he was always wearing this really colorful coat, and it was really bright, and they were like, Joseph, we get it, all right? You got a, you got a fancy coat. You can take it off now, right? It's a little gaudy. We're done, right? You just take your coat off. It smells, right? So they decide with these two things. They're, they're like, we're over you, Joseph. So they decide that they're going to get rid of him. And, and they're coming up with ideas. They decide not to go with the first idea, which was to kill him. They said, you know what? Instead of killing him, let's sell him into slavery. And then we'll wash our hands of him, and we'll never see him again. And that'll be the end of the story. We'll never have to deal with him again. And that's, you know, 
not great for the family dynamic, right? Like, I don't know what you've ever done to some of your siblings. I, don't, I doubt you've sold anybody into slavery. Uh, and that's not really what you're hoping for from your brothers. I mean, we've all been hazed, but that seemed like, I don't know, a bit excessive that you would do that. And so we probably wouldn't be too surprised if the next part of Joseph's story was, and then Joseph turned his back on God and did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Because if you've read through the Old Testament, a lot of people do choose that path. And then so-and-so did evil in the eyes of the Lord. But not Joseph. That's not, that's not Joseph's story. See, instead, Joseph remained faithful and, and knew that God was still working in the darkness. And he, he works his way now. Now he's in slavery. He starts working his way up the ranks of his master to the point where he's allowed in the master's home in a trusted role. Okay, we're building some momentum here. We're, we're getting some positivity. But then there's a false accusation of coming on to his master's wife and trying to sleep with her. And now he's thrown into prison. More darkness. Yet God was still with Joseph and still working. And a reminder that Joseph has done nothing wrong in all of this, right? He's following God, and yet this keeps happening. After a while, the, the king of Egypt gets angry with two of his officials, and he throws them into prison. By chance, it just happens to be the same prison that Joseph is in. And so this leads to Joseph being put into a position where he gains access to the king, gains the king's trust. And he eventually is put in charge of all of Egypt. I mean, it's your typical hallmark, heartwarming, rags to riches, to rags to riches, to rags to riches story. I mean, Joseph had to endure a lot. And it seemed like every time he, could, like he would see what we would consider God working in his life and some positivity rolling, he lost it all. But throughout it all, he never lost hope. And he always knew that God was with him. And in the end, well, now the tables have turned and now his brothers, who thought they would never have to see him again, now they find out they have to go and ask him for help because now he's in charge of all of Egypt. And while they're expecting revenge, and we all might expect Joseph to take out some revenge, he chose forgiveness instead. And in Genesis 50, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, Joseph saw the big picture and what God was doing. And there are a lot of times in Joseph's life he could have gotten depressed and down on himself and, and down on God and angry with him. Yet throughout, he never, his faith never wavers because Joseph saw the big picture and that God was still working in some way. And here's the reality. Had God not been working in, the way, in that way, had Joseph just gone on about his life, it would, have been, it would have gone one way because it was God's way. It led to the saving of many lives. See, he could have been the leader of himself. He could have been the leader of a family. Now he's the leader of a nation. And he could have let darkness overcome him. But he held on to the promises of God throughout the ups and downs. Because he knew that God still works in the dark, even through life's ups and downs. Next, we want to remember Job. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a family or, or a person 
that is just being put through the ringer of life. And you look at them and you think, man, they're such great people. How could, the, how could God let this happen to them? Why can't they just catch a break? They love people. They follow Jesus faithfully. I mean, they're so generous. They would give you the shirt off their back. They don't, they don't have much, but they would give you whatever they have. But man, it just seems like it's one thing after another for them. You know, there was a, there was a minister in my, in my former church. She was the family minister there. And that was just such a faithful family. I learned so much about faith from them and how to love Jesus through it all. Because they had such a strong faith, but it just seemed like they could never quite catch a break. They would, they would have a car that would break down, and they'd buy a used car to replace it, and then it would break down. And it was like this constant cycle, right? And it just seemed like they could, it was just one thing after another. And yet, they had this strong faith that was like, how? How do you do that? How do you not get angry? And that's what, kind of what we would say about Job. In Job 1, we read that Job was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Now, we don't really use the livestock system to determine uh, who is great and who is not, but uh, whether you know how many it takes to be great or not, it tells us there at the end that he was the greatest man among all the people of the East. And Job had a lot going for him. And, and on top of that, not only was he successful, but he, had, he loved God. He shunned evil. If ever there was somebody that should have had this like really good, easy-peasy cruise of a life, you would think it would be him. How could anything happen to this guy? He was... Blameless. I mean, blameless isn't a term that gets tossed around in the Bible too much. But in a strange twist, it was because he was blameless and upright that his circumstances were about to change dramatically. See, because of the strength of his faith, God believes that he can withstand anything that Satan can throw at him. And eventually, Job goes from having everything to having nothing, even losing his, his family. Everything that he had has been taken away from him. I can't, I can't even imagine going through that. And in our world today, we have a tendency of placing the blame on God when life hits us the hardest. See, somewhere along the way, we started believing that having a strong faith meant having a great life to go with it. So when our, our life isn't so great, we feel like we got a raw deal. We feel shortchanged. When tragedy strikes, we feel betrayed by God. When things don't go the way we expect, man, we get angry with God. And so were we to step into the shoes of Job, how many of us would feel shortchanged, betrayed, and angry with God? And Job's friends, he has these close confidants, these people he goes to in times of crisis, and they feel the same way. They, they try to convince him that he too should feel that way. Job, how can you keep believing in this God of yours? Do you see what's happening to your life? If he was truly real, if he was truly there, then these things wouldn't be happening. You've lost everything, Job. How can you remain loyal to this God of yours? 
But despite their many attempts, Job remains faithful. And at the end of the, at the, end of the book of Job, in Job 42, he says to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. I've been put through it all, God, but I still know you're the king. I still know you're on the throne, and I know that there was a purpose in all of this, even if I can't see it. Job lost everything, but he did not succumb to the darkness, even when his closest friends told him that it would be foolish to remain faithful to his God. And sometimes, to the outside perspective, it does seem silly to stay loyal to God when we measure faith on an earthly scale. When we think that the life of a Christ follower should be blessed and highly favored with no problems, it can seem like we're doing something wrong when the trials of many kinds start to hit us. But isn't the faith of the wrung out Christian more inspiring? Aren't we encouraged more by the faith of Job than by somebody that had never had their faith tested at all? God chose Job because he knew that Job's faith was strong enough to withstand anything, and he was right. And Job knew that somehow, some way, God was still working in the darkness, even when his faith seemed foolish. Lastly, we want to remember Paul and Silas and their faith while in a Philippian jail. See, Paul and Silas, they get into some trouble. They, they draw the ire of some Romans because they're coming along on their missionary journey and they draw out, uh, they cast out an evil spirit out of a woman that was being used to make money for a group of guys as a fortune teller. She's telling people's fortune and man, they are just rolling in the dough. Now they cast this evil spirit out and with their, their source of income now cut off, these men now come after Paul and Silas and they have them arrested and flogged and thrown into prison. And so now they're not just in a spiritual darkness, but they're in a literal darkness, like a physical darkness as well, because they're put in the inner cell with no window, no light whatsoever. And you can imagine there were probably rats crawling around, around, crawling around them, and there were disgusting smells and screams of other prisoners surrounding them. Overall, a situation that you would probably want to be out of as soon as possible, right? <laughs> I don't want to be here. This ain't great. <laughs> And a situation that a, that a Christ follower might be a little upset with because, you know what, God, I was merely trying to spread the news about your son, Jesus. I was, I was doing your work here, and you put me in this prison. How, how could you let this happen to me? I mean, these, Paul and Silas were fighting the good fight here. And so was it that they didn't pray hard enough for his protection? How could let God let this happen when they were working for his glory? and his purpose. And you might think that Paul and Silas would then be left muttering to themselves about their circumstances and left questioning their, their faith. And are we even doing the right thing here? I mean, for Paul, how much easier was life when he was on the other side fighting against Christians? Like he had a lot of money and he, he was living large. And now look where he's at. Yet in Acts 16.25, we read that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. <laughs> I mean, what? In those circumstances, that's what they choose to do? That's what they're choosing? <laughs> How awesome is that? 
And then suddenly there's this violent earthquake and it shakes the foundations of the prison. All the the cell doors fly open. All the chains fall off the prisoners. And you would expect, I mean, I would do this. You would expect that in the middle of the night when this happens, they would all leave, right? We're free. I mean, if we're praying and singing, God has sent an earthquake and now we're leaving. Like all the prisoners are gone and this is the answer to prayer. Yet they remain. And so the warden thinking that they all have escaped, knows that his punishment will be death, and so he's getting ready to kill himself and before somebody else can find out. But before he can do it, Paul goes, whoa, 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 wait, hold on, we're still here, we're still here, right? And the warden doesn't understand, why would you stay? Anybody would leave, right? I'm free now. I shouldn't have even been here in the first place, and now I'm free, and yet all the prisoners stay. And this, so this leads the warden to have some questions. And in our lives, sometimes when we do things as a Christian that doesn't make sense, when we, when we don't react the way the world thinks we should react, when we love people that the world says, you know what, you should probably just leave them behind, it causes some questions. And so the warden has some questions. Why wouldn't you leave? That doesn't make any sense. And through those questions, they're able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the warden. He takes it home and and he and his whole family are saved and give their life to Christ because they stayed. See, Paul and Silas didn't give up when they were in prison for spreading the gospel. They didn't lose hope. They weren't discouraged. They weren't afraid because they knew that God was still working even when it didn't make sense. And sometimes the way that God is working in your life isn't going to make sense. And it's going to be confusing. It might cause you to have some questions. But his ways are higher than your ways. His ways are higher than all of our ways. And I can guarantee that he is a better storyteller than you or I will ever be. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, I look at at some things that might be up in the air and how things are going to go. And I think, boy, I could really, here's what I think is going to happen. God's going to do this for me. And then, man, I'm going to bring all the glory to him. And, and people are going to be, look at this and be like, man, God was really moving in his life. And everything's going to be great. This, that, that's how God's going to do it. And you know what usually happens? God doesn't do it that way. And it leads to some cute confusion. And it doesn't make sense. God, what are you doing? What are you doing here? But in the end, where I eventually end up is, you know what, God? You're in control. Your ways are better than my ways. And you are so much better of a storyteller than I am. And I, I, I would bet that Paul and Silas, when they were writing out their missionary story, they did not write, and then we'll be thrown into prison, right? But that's the way God told the story. And in the end, how many more people came to faith because they were thrown into prison than if they had just let, been left to go on their merry way? Because God is working in the darkness even when his plan doesn't make sense. And so this morning, I hope that remembering these people helps you to see that God can still be moving, even though you may only see darkness. Even though you may only see the storm, God is working. And that is as true today as it has ever been. And right now, there is a lot of darkness surrounding us. And there is a lot of hopelessness around us. But I believe that God is still working. And I hope you believe that too. I hope you're looking for the ways that God is still working. And so this morning, I, I want to I tell you about five ways that I think that God is still working in the darkness right now. The first thing is, I think he's working to strengthen families. 
As we've been forced indoors and not able to do the things that we're used to be doing, hopefully it's caused you to focus more on your family relationships. And I know, I know that sometimes it's hard being cooped up together. And, and so for some of us, me included, right? Maybe you were working on patience and maybe we're working on loving more and forgiving more. But hopefully we're focusing on our family relationships more and strengthening them more and using this opportunity that God is providing. We're also seeing that daily reminders that, man, life is really fragile and they can be taken away like that. I hope we're appreciating the time that we're having together because I think that God is using this time to help us build stronger families. The second thing is he's working to form stronger communities. You know, we're being forced to help one another out in new ways during all of this. And because we're going through it together, it's building a camaraderie that wasn't there before. I mean, there's no opt-out on this, right? We're, we're in it. And we're all in it together. And it's forcing us to help, others, help each other out in ways that we might not have been able to do previously. You know, God created us all to be a relational people. And we need each other, especially right now. I think he's, he's working to grow the church. Throughout the latter half of 2020 and through all this, we've seen the generosity of the church go above and beyond what we could have expected. New people have stepped up into roles in ways that maybe they wouldn't have done it otherwise. People have adapted and remained engaged, whether it's in person or online. And a church under fire grows stronger. And sometimes our faith needs some adversity to thrive in new ways. I think he's working to soften hearts for the gospel. In times of crisis, people need to hear the message of Jesus. When the world is in chaos, Jesus is the message of peace. And right now, much of what people have relied on for joy has been shut down by COVID. But in Jesus, we have a peace and a hope and a joy that can never be canceled. And that gives us something to look forward to that a lot of the people around us do not have. That's why there's so much hopelessness because that's, if you're not following Christ, that's all there is, right? This is all that we, this is the hand we've been dealt and this is what we're playing with. And so as Christ followers, we, people need to hear the message, hear the message of, of hope that Jesus brings and know that it's available to them too. Then in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the chaos, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, end of the tunnel and his name is Jesus. And I think he's working to prepare a place for us there. Jesus said not to let our hearts be troubled because he is going to prepare a place for us in his father's house. A place with no more sickness, no more pain, and no more tears. And a place that all who give their life to him all who give their life to him can enjoy. You know, it'd be really easy for us to just focus on the darkness that's surrounding us right now. Life has been really hard for a while now. And the truth is, there is not a clear end in sight. But I hope that you'll choose to focus on the light that is Jesus Christ as the darkness continues to swirl around you. Remember that Though the things of this world can be lost or taken away, the promises of God will never fade. 
Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And I hope you believe that this morning. The things that we typically use to measure a good life on this earth are faulty because they're merely temporary and they can be taken away. But salvation through Jesus Christ is forever. And nobody and nothing can take that away from you. I want to finish this morning by looking at Paul's words at the end of Romans chapter 8. And so we, we read a little bit of this for our focus verse this morning. I'm going to go past that a little bit more, but I hope that you'll read this and hear the truth that his love and the hope that Jesus brings can never be taken away from you. So in Romans chapter 8, verse, starting in verse 3, when Paul says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all these things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or pandemics? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we cannot thank you enough for the love that you have for each one of us. And I pray for everybody in this room this morning that, that though the darkness tries to take us in, that we wouldn't let it happen. That we would keep focused on your son, Jesus, and know that nothing that this world could ever throw at us could separate us from your love. Father, I pray that we would never lose hope. Never lose the hope that your son provides because even when things look so bleak, even when there's not a clear end in sight in this world, we can know as Christ followers that we follow the one that has claimed ultimate victory over everything in this world. So Father, as we come off of Christmas here, I, I'm thankful that you sent your son Jesus to be with us that you, just, you didn't just leave us to our own. You said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call game. I'm going to claim victory over this world. And so for those this morning that are struggling, I pray that they would know that it's okay. It's okay to be struggling right now. But I also pray that they would know that there is a place in your house that Jesus has prepared for each one of us that one day none of this will matter anymore 
because we'll be with you. And life may not get any better than it is right now. But man, if that's the case, is heaven going to be so much greater than what we're going through now? So Father, I, I pray that we would cast away the things that are temporary, the things that can fade away, and we would focus on loving you and loving those around us and know that because Jesus has claimed the ultimate victory, we have a hope that extends beyond this world. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So this morning, I, I pray that if you've never given your life over to Christ, you've never dedicated your life to him and said, I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. I want to be with you. I want to be on your side. I pray that you would come forward and give your life over to him in baptism. That the old life would go away and you would come out a new creation. A new creation that this world cannot touch. So if you've never made that decision, I don't think there's any better day than right now to make that decision. But maybe, maybe all of this has just been coming on you, and you feel stuck, and you feel beat down, and you feel like you're just done with it. And if that's you, I would love to pray with you this morning. I know it's hard. I, I know it's hard. So I'd love to pray with you and help you through it this morning. Invite Jesus into, the, into your problems, into your situation, so that you might know that though it's dark right now, there's light coming one day. So we're going to sing about our living hope here in just a moment. I hope you'll stand and sing with us and, and praise the Father who has loved us so much. Know that nothing can ever separate you from that love. Let's stand and sing.